So we're going to go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We're continuing looking at the Sermon on the Mount, understanding what Jesus wants his followers to be and do. We're actually in week three, and uh, kind of the subtitle for today's message is A Christian's Influence. Uh, Christian's Influence. And so we're going to look here at the section of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. This is Matthew 5, uh, obviously, starting with 13 and going into 16. And uh, we're going to be reading out of the NIV, and it says this. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men. That way or that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we, we definitely, I definitely need you right now. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at these things together, that Jesus, we would understand what you want us to understand, what you want us to see, and, and also, Father, what you want us to change in our lives so that we can become more like you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start because this is obviously where Jesus starts, is he's just gone through the uh, Beatitudes. He's kind of talked about about all these things. We talked about those last week. And now he begins to move into this idea of salt and light and how we should act and be like that. So first we're going to talk about is the fact that the disciples of Jesus should be like salt. It's very simple. It's very easy. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Now I want to talk about something very quickly. He says here, you are not going to become the salt or you're not going to become the light. He basically says, this isn't necessarily a process like some things in Christianity are. He says, basically, you're salt and your light. When you're my disciples, that's what you become. The question here is not basically, are you salt or are you light? It's it really the question is, what kind of salt are you and what kind of light are you? Okay? So we need to understand that, that Jesus says very clearly, you are these things. Okay? And so we need to understand that you are these things. He also talks about this in Mark 9. In Mark 9, chapter, uh, verse number 50, it says this. Jesus is speaking again. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You have, must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. So we're going to start here. What are the qualities of salt? Okay, what is Jesus talking about here? Because here's the deal, I've learned this um, as I was studying this. Salt then and salt today is a very different situation, okay? And you may go, well, salt is salt. Yeah, but things have changed over the centuries a little bit. And so Jesus here, we need to understand, we need to get ourselves in the mindset of Jesus' hearers when he's talking about salt. Light's not so much different, but salt can be different. So the first thing we need to understand is salt is valuable, Okay, now, I know that that's not the case now, okay? You go to Walmart, you go to Target, you go get yourself a, a thing of salt, but you could go to one of those places, man, and you can get yourself a, ba- go to Costco, okay? You know, you go to Walmart and get you your little salt shaker, or you can get a Costco and get you 10, you know, 15, you know, thousand pounds of salt, Okay? And so, but so to us, salt isn't valuable, but to his hearers, salt was very valuable. Sometimes Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt. That's how valuable it was. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, he's worth his salt? That's where that comes from. 
Basically, that was a way to say, hey, man, that soldier is actually worth his pay because of the fact that they were paid in salt. One thing you need to understand, what Jesus is trying to communicate to you is this. You're valuable. Okay? As salt, you matter. Okay? I've heard people say, oh, this isn't a big deal. Jesus is saying, I'm not a big deal. No, 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 no. He's saying the exact opposite. He's saying you are valuable to what he wants to accomplish in this world. So listen, you may say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm too old. I'm... Listen, no, 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 no. Jesus here is saying no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what your talents are, what your giftings are, you are valuable to him and valuable to what he wants to do in our world. Okay? Listen, here's how this works. Here's how Aaron sees the world. Are you ready for this? You aren't done... And Christ isn't done using you until you are dead. Okay? Now you may go, that's a little morbid. That's just what I see it. I believe that God wants... Listen, Jesus, he used a rock. He used a donkey. He used, you know, he can use us. Okay? So if you're still breathing, and hopefully everyone is. everybody. Okay, good. I got a few, like, laughs and make sure I know that people are alive. Yeah. Okay? Because sometimes you can, you know... Anyway... You're valuable and you, God has something for you to do, okay? So you're not done yet. God still has something for you to do and be a part of. Next, salt adds flavor, okay? Listen, you, you take a, a meal and you put it out on a plate and, and you ever had something and it's just bland or it doesn't have any flavor to it? Listen, I, I know this may sound strange. I truly believe this. I think when a Christian enters the room, things should change, Okay, the peace, the love, the joy, the mercy that we've experienced, all those things, that fruit of the spirit should change situations and circumstances. Okay, you take a plate of food that doesn't have salt on it and you take a bite and then you put some salt on it. It changes the flavor of the food that you're eating. Okay, as salt, I have a simple question. When you walk into a situation, whether it be good, bad, hard, whatever, do you change the situation because you're salt? Do you bring forth flavor? Do you bring forth change? Do you bring forth something different when you add? Because as salt, we're supposed to. As salt, we're called to. Finally, salt acts as a preservative and stops decay. I remember as a kid, we had this thing. It was called, now listen, some of you know this, some of you don't. I grew up in Kansas City. I grew up on the Missouri side of Kansas City. Uh, Some people, that confuses them. There's a Kansas City, Kansas. And there's a Kansas City, Missouri, and I grew up on the Missouri side. And we went to, as a child, we would go to a place called Missouri Town. And it was basically a living history museum. Have you ever been to one of those things? Oh, five of you. Great. Okay, good. The educational system is, no, I'm teasing. Um, but we would go to Missouri Town. And, of course, they would have, I can't remember, it was like 1860 or 1880 or something about that time frame. So they had the blacksmith. And they had all these different things. And you'd go in and you'd, you'd learn, you know. And, you know, it, it was, I always felt like it was one of those things that was like forced labor on children. Because wherever you went, no matter where you would go to, there was always one lady. And she was sitting there churning butter. Okay? Now, I don't know if this is, you've seen this. She's churning butter. Oh, yes, this is how we'd make butter back in kudum, 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 kudum. And what she always say? Who would like to try to churn the butter? 400 kids out of 402 would run up and want to churn the butter. So they churn the butter, have a great time. Then you go to the gift shop, and guess what was for sale? Butter. It's a racket, I'm telling you. No. <laughs> but we would go, and all these And I remember going there, and they would talk about how they preserved 
meat, how they preserved things, and they would put salt on it. And they would just, and it wasn't like, oh, here's a nice little, you know, steak. Let's, they would cover this stuff. And it preserved it. It prevented it from having this decay and this problem. Listen, Jesus understood that. This is what people would do with fish and meat at this time. Is they would use it. And it was a way to stop decay. It was a way to keep things that were going to naturally go bad from going bad. Okay? Now we need to remember that. We're going to talk about that later. But this, oops, sorry, John. But this concept here of knowing that some things, if left to their own devices, are going to spoil and go bad. The salt is added to the situation to keep that from happening, to keep the decay from taking place. Okay? So let's, let's look at Matthew 5, 13b. It says this, as Jesus continues on, he's now said, okay, this is what salt is. You are salt. You're supposed to be this. Now he keeps going because now we see more of a, a, an extra thing. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Okay, It's no longer good for anything. He basically answers his question. It can't be. It's, it's gone. It's wasted except to be thrown out and trampled Underfoot. So here's the question that we need to talk about because Jesus kind of brings us up. How do we lose our saltiness in our salt? How do we lose that situation? Uh, because we need to make sure that if we're going to be the salt, that there is actually Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you can lose this if you're not careful. If you're not focusing on being salt, you can lose your saltiness. Okay? So the first thing we need to look at is this. How do we lose that? Contamination from impurities. Okay. Now, once again, we have to go back in the time, you know, in our little time machine, and remember that things weren't the way they were today. Now, salt is a very stable compound. Okay. Today, we go and we mine our salt, and then we we purify it, and it goes through uh, 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 situations that are makes it, you know, white and nice and clean, and all these sort of things. But back in Jesus' day, they didn't have that stuff. So a lot of times they got their salt from salt marshes. Sometimes they would get it from the Dead Sea with no salt and things like that. But the problem with all that was it came with a lot of impurities. Okay? It came with a lot of impurities. And what would happen is they'd harvest this salt out. But the thing is, if it would get wet or something like that, salt dissolves very quickly. And all that was left was this white powdery substance that looked like salt but did absolutely nothing. Okay? Salt on its own, left alone, won't go bad. It'll work. It'll be a problem. But the impurities that are a part of it will make it worthless. Because now there's so many other things in the salt that the salt has lost its ability to do what it was created to do. Make sense? Listen, I know you've heard me, you've heard other pastors, you've heard other people. You, maybe you grew up with a parent that was like, hey, listen, you've got to make sure that you keep these things separate out of your life. Listen, we don't say that because we're bored or it's, it's a part of our, you know, that's just what you do. It matters, okay? You're going to lose your saltiness if you have so many impurities in your life that the salt has lost its ability to do what it's called to do, Okay? So you've got to check it. You've got to look at those things. But that's one of the ways. These impurities that take place in our salt can cause us to lose it. Next, how can we lose our saltiness? A desire to be identical, not distinctive. Okay? We're going to talk about this a little bit later as well. But listen, you have to understand something. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we are called to be different from the world that we live in. Okay? 
And I know that's hard. We don't like that sometimes. We don't want to be kind of pulled out and looked at. But that's what God has called us to be. And when we decide, hey, I want to look as much like the world as I can. I want to act as much like the world as I can. Listen, that's not how this is supposed to work. And we can lose that saltiness. Listen, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I dealt with kids all the time. It was always so funny to me because I just laugh and laugh and laugh. Because you'd have one kid. And he'd come in, and maybe he was, he was um, when, when I was, right when I started being a youth pastor, I, right, this, 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 uh, the emo thing came in. You know what that was? It was, it was the kids dressed in black, and, and, and no matter what the situation was in their life, they acted sad. That was basically it. I mean, I, I think there was a lot more, but, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. And, you know, and some of them would have this big, long hair, and it would cover an eye. And, you know, you'd walk in, and you'd be like, hey, hey, buddy, how you doing? Fine. Everything good? Yes. You good? What is good? <laughs> you know? And they would look different. It was fine, whatever, you know. And I remember talking to one of these kids, and I said, I, I, explain to me this, this, this thing. And, and he was like, you know, man, I just want to be an individual. I'm just going to be my own person. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I was like, I was like he's like, so, you know, just so you know, um, next week um, I'm having some of my friends come with me. Is that okay? And I'm like, sweet, yeah, absolutely, come. And so the next week he brought two or three of his friends. They all looked exactly the same. You know, and I had this youth pastor moment, like, I could be a jerk right now, and I shouldn't be, you know. But he was like, oh, yes, you look different, and you look all the same. Okay? As Christians, we need to embrace the fact that we're different from the world that we are serving. That is okay. That is good. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. That means we're different from the meat that we're trying to look, deal with and also the darkness that's around. We'll talk about this a little bit more. But we need to understand, if we're trying to be that way, we're not going to be as distinctive as the disciple of Christ should be. Next, the next thing Jesus talks about is the disciples of Jesus should be like light. Should be like light. Let's look at this, Matthew 5, 14a. It simply says, you are the light of the world. So let's look at this way. Let's look at the qualities of our light, okay? Because Jesus shares some things here about how we should be as light. The first one is in Matthew 5, 14b. It says this, our light should be visible, okay? Our light should be visible. And this is what Jesus says. This is a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You've got to understand this. What Christ is calling us to be is a light situation. It's a situation where, where we go out and we're seen and we're visible, okay? We're not, we're not coming here and hiding in church and then we're running away and, and running into our house and hiding for the week. We need to be a visible light because there is darkness around and we need to understand that. And Jesus here is saying, listen, you're not to be hidden. You're supposed to be seen. Next, our light should be intentional and effective, attentional and effective. Look at Matthew 5, 15. He continues, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, I haven't been to some of your homes, but I'm just assuming that if I walked in and you had lamps, they probably wouldn't be on the floor. Why? 
Now, you may say, well, because that would look silly, and that's not how we decorate and all these things. And I would say that is all exactly correct. But you also do it because it is a more effective way to shoot light out into a room. The reason why Jesus talks about the fact that you put it on a stand is that is an intentional and an effective way to make sure there's more light. Listen, I think the church has failed in this. The church as a whole, we've said we want to be the light. That's good. We should be the light. But we forgot how to be effective and intentional in being said light. Sometimes, unfortunately, we do put our light under a bowl. Remember when we were kids? Now, some of you know exactly what this is. Some of you are like, you're weird. But remember this when we were kids? This little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. And when I was a kid, yes, yes, you know where I'm going. I, don't, I, remember, I remember as a kid, like, like, I know this sounds crazy, but I don't know if we should do songs with children from the King James Version. Because I remember going, what is a bushel? You know, but that's, I think what we said, to put it under a bushel or bush. Well, I don't remember what, I blocked it out, you know. But anyway, was, the concept was putting it over something. Remember this? We go, put it under a bush. Oh, no. Because we're, we're five, and we, you know, we're, we all have the range of a high soprano, you know. Oh, no, I'm going to let it shine. This, that's where that comes from. Jesus says, listen, you don't light something and cover it. But a lot of times, let's be honest, we'll do that. We'll say, oh, I'm a light, put a push. We'll come here, I'm a light, look at me, I'm a light. I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, la, 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 la. Go to school, go to work. I don't want anybody to know. Listen, that's not effective. That's not intentional. And Jesus is saying, listen, not only, not only take your light off of the bowl, take the bowl off, put it on a stand. Put it somewhere where even more people can experience it and see it. Okay? Next, our light should be used to illuminate and expose. Look at Matthew 5, 16a. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why do we need to let our light shine before others? Why can't we just kind of hang out and hide? It's because of this. If we turned all the lights off in this room and, and darkened all the, you know, the, the lights outside and put blackout curtains, and I had one candle up here, you would all share my light. Okay? You would all share my light. The closer I got to you, the more things would be exposed and illuminated in your life. What's around you? Listen, if we turned the lights off and it was pitch dark in here, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, and I lit a light, you'd be able to see it from a long way away. And Jesus is sitting here, listen, you got to let your light shine before others because it's going to show them things. Okay, one of the greatest things that we get to do as a Christian is we get to help illuminate people's path on their journey to Jesus. But listen, it's real hard to say to somebody, listen, I need you to go towards Jesus. I need you to experience him because remember, this is a journey, this process, but you turn on all the lights. I mean, let's be honest. If I took you someplace you've never been there before and I turned off all the lights and said, okay, here's the deal. You're in this huge, big old warehouse, okay? Now this warehouse is the size of a football field. Inside, there's very, very sharp objects that could puncture your skin and do other horrible, maiming things to you. But okay, but just so you know, on the other end, somewhere over there is a suitcase with $10 million in it. If you get there, it's yours. Now, even with that... You know what most people would do? They'd stay put. Or they'd do this. Now, what if that same situation happened, 
But I said, listen, I'm going to walk with you. And I'll have a candle. That little candle would keep them safe. Now, maybe they get a little cut, but they'd get to the money. Unfortunately, what we sometimes ask people to do as Christians is we say, go find Jesus, get there. But you've got to walk in darkness. Because we're not willing to illuminate their way. We're not willing to walk with them and help them as light. That's what we've called to be doing. Finally, our light should be reflective. Look at Matthew as he finishes this off 516b. It says, why should we do all these things? So that you may, so they, those people, those others, can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why do we do these things? It's so God can be glorified. It's not, listen... If this makes sense, the light in you is not a light of your own. It's the light of the Father and of Jesus living inside of you. That's where the light comes from, okay? Because what the scripture says is we were in darkness. And Christ comes. He is the light. That's what Jesus says about himself. And so this idea is, it's, 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 it's coming from him. And so that others cannot see how good or great or perfect you are. Because in a lot of ways, we're not all those things all the time. But so that they can see and glorify our Father in heaven. So we need to be reflective. It's not about how we are. It's about how great and awesome Jesus is. So he's talked about salt and he's talked about light. So here's what we need to finally look at. What can salt and the light, what can the salt and life metaphors teach us about the influence we should have on our world? Okay, so now we're going to get into some application. So what does all this mean? As, as Jesus has talked about salt, he's talked about light. Now, what should this be? And the first one is this, salt and life both give of themselves. Okay, you can't be salt, you can't be light and keep to yourself. Okay, I could bring up a beautiful side of beef right here that we have to get ready to, to save. And I can have it on a table right here, and I can have the salt right here, and I can even, you know, salt in a shaker, and I can even bring them together. But until the salt actually pours itself out onto the meat, it's not going to help the meat at all. These lights have an unbelievable ability to shine light into darkness. But if the light remains off, it doesn't do us a lick of good. Okay? Being salt in a salt shaker and light in a light bulb that's not turned on is not affecting and influencing our world the way it needs to be. It's going to have to take us being willing to pour ourselves out onto a world that desperately needs salt and light. Okay? But that's going to cost you something, folks. Listen, one thing that Jesus is very, very clear on that we sometimes forgot is Jesus is very clear. Living this life, living a Christian life, following Christ, being a disciple, it's going to cost us stuff. Now, listen, it's all worth it, but it's still going to cost us things. And some of those things is, is the willingness to pour ourselves out on situations and people to be a light in a dark place. Sometimes those things aren't easy. Next, what else can we learn? Salt and light, and we talked about this earlier, are distinctive. 
okay? They are distinctive. They are different than what the situation is around us. And if we are the same, if we aren't coming in and being a difference maker, then we're not going to be able to affect the world that we need to affect. Look here, it says this. Salt is needed because our world is rotting and decaying and light is needed because the world is in darkness. To be effective and have a positive influence, we must seek to display the Christian distinctive. Listen, the reason why Jesus is saying all these things, he's saying being salt and being light, is because the world are opposite of these things. He's saying, listen, your job here is not to be more darkness. Your job here, hear me, is not to be as dim a light as possible. Our job is to be different. Now, notice I didn't say weird. Notice I didn't say cuckoo. I said different. There is a simple difference between light and darkness. I shouldn't need to explain that to you. We understand that. We get that. Our world, listen, you look at our world today, you look at the situations that we find ourselves in, and and let's just be honest, there's a lot of decay. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of stuff that you, you, it doesn't take a mad scientist to see the issues. And we need to understand that our job is to come in and to affect those situations. But listen, if we're trying as the church or as individuals to see how world-like we can be and still be a Christian, that is the wrong attitude. Okay? That's the wrong way to look at it. Our job is not to see how closely we can get to the edge before we fall off. Our job is to sit away from the edge and basically encourage others to move from the edge with us. Now, I've heard people say, well, yeah, but I got to get to the edge because that's where people are. I get it. I totally understand that rationality. But here's the thing. You come, you stay, and then you remove you can go back and you remove. Okay, Christ didn't say live over here and don't affect our world. We got to get into it. We got to affect it. But our job isn't to see how close we can. Because here's what typically can unfortunately happen. Let's just be honest. We're sitting here now. What's easier to fall forward or fall back? Especially when someone else is here with us kind of helping us along the way. So we have to understand that. It's okay to be different. It's okay to embrace that because the world desperately needs it. And the final one, salt and light should affect what they come in contact with. This idea that Jesus kind of brings us all back or this idea of the salt and how it can lose its saltiness, how it can lose the effect that it should have on the world. This is something that should be obvious. Now listen, let me help you with this because sometimes people say, well, well, how do I know? How do I understand? How do I deal with these things? How do I know if I'm being salt? How do I know if I'm being light? And those are awesome, great, wonderful questions that we all should ask of ourselves at times. Okay, so here's how I would say this is a good way to do it. Are you affecting for good a situation that is bad? Are you leading? Are you illuminating? Are you taking yourself and injecting yourself into a world and bringing a stop to some of that rotting and some of that problem? 
Because if you're not, if you're coming apart and being a part of something and it's not changing the situation, you may not be as salty as you think you are. You may not be as bright as maybe God is calling you to be. It should affect things. Okay? It should affect things. If I had a cup of water up here and I had one cup with no salt in it and I had another cup with uh, or regular uh, a stream water or lake water and I had another cup here that was salt water from an ocean and I said, here, take a drink and tell me which is which, you could tell. You ever been to the ocean? I remember the first time I went, I was a little kid, about eight years old. I was actually talking to Alan about it. We, were, we were, went to, to Disneyland in California, and we went to the ocean, you know, for the first time. And you kind of walk out, and I'm from Missouri, you know, so we got lakes, but that's about it. I mean, you know, so it was just like water everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you know, and you could smell the salt, and you could just, you know what I mean? And we, I, I went into the water. And this may be gross to you, don't go swimming with me, but as a kid, one of the things I used to like to do was get the water in my mouth and be a fountain. Okay? I mean, I was, I, you know, I was 18. But yeah, anyway, I, you know, yeah. you, know you, you do the sprinkler. You ever done that? I put the water and I go. And I remember thinking, I'm going to do that with ocean water. Oh, yeah. There was a clear difference. If the world, and it's going to sound weird, but just go with me. If you were a glass and the world took a drink of you, would they taste the salt? Because here's what I found. It's unfortunate, but I think it's a situation that we see a lot. Is we become very, very good as Christians, uh, pointing at the darkness and being mad at the darkness or being mad at the meat for spoiling. And so I want to finish, kind of bring this all to a close with this question. And it's simply the last in your notes. It says this, the question is not, why is the meat rotting or why is there darkness? The question is, where is the salt and light? Listen, hear me here. A lot of times, as I said, if, as the worship team wants to come on up, we'll sit there as Christians and we will point our finger at the darkness. We'll look at our world, we'll look at our society, we'll look at our churches, we'll look at the, and we'll just, and, and, and let's just be honest, folks, we'll just sit there and we'll just go, that's bad, that's not good. Listen, hear me here. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to, you need to hear my heart on this, okay? I'm not trying to throw rocks at the world, okay? I'm not trying to say those people are bad people. That they are doing what comes natural to them, and by the way, which comes natural to all of us. We have a sin nature. I never had to teach my child how to lie to me. It comes naturally. I've never had to help him understand those things. It comes naturally. He's wonderful as a kid as he is. And here's the thing. I guarantee you, you that have parents, or, or you've never had to do that with yours either. It just kind of happens. We are changed because of what Jesus does in us. But people that don't know Jesus, they are doing what comes natural to them. 
How silly would it be for you to go to Costco or go to Walmart or Target or wherever you shop and go buy yourself some of the best steaks or chicken or fish or whatever you enjoy eating and you're, oh, you're so excited and you put it on the counter and you leave it there. Two weeks later, you come back and you're mad as a hornet because that meat had the audacity to spoil. How dare it? (sighs) Didn't didn't the meat know I was going to use that? Didn't the meat know how excited I was? Put that on the grill. And you go, no one would do that. That's silly. But you know what? We do that as Christians to our world and to the people in our world. We sit there and we go, how could you spoil? How could you act like that? How could you respond in that way? And we do. We sit there and... The question is not why it's spoiling. The question is not why there's darkness. Even though we love to talk about those things. The question that Jesus is asking is, is where's the salt and where's the light? Here's the thing, when we come and you take that piece of meat and you put it in the salt and you don't just sprinkle it on, you rub it on it, you rub it in and it's completely covered. That thing can last for years. Why? Not because the meat has figured something out, but because there isn't something added to it that's changed everything. Here's the deal. One day, hopefully, all of us can even remember the day. Follow me here. Where you were a rotten, stinking piece of meat. And Jesus came. And he wrapped you in light. And he wrapped you in salt. And everything changed. And what's so cool is Jesus here doesn't say, you're going to become this. You are... He said, you are salt and you are light. How are you affecting your world? Listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't look at our world and see things and be active and helping areas that we need to help. All that's good and right. What I am saying is we've got to be the salt that changes things. We've got to be the light. Because when the light comes on, listen, I love this. When the light comes on, the darkness flees doesn't hang around it'll go as far as it can go because it wants to get away from the light it affects things so this is a simple question that I want to ask you it's a very simple question where's your salt where's your light where is it listen it's real easy for all of us to look at our world and look at our the people in it and find all the faults That's easy. Doesn't take much. But there's a completely different thing in us entering it and bringing forth light and salt and change. And that's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to be. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is what needs to happen. And here's the cool thing even more as understanding what to do, go back, look at the Beatitudes. You want a place to start? Start there. Because he just said how to be salt and light. He said, act like this. 
be like this. This is how you influence the world around you. How's your salt? Are you salty? How's your light? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you so much for these, at least I do, I love these these pictures, these metaphors that you give us. Jesus, you know this, I I learn in in pictures, I learn in things like that, and, and, and and this is a challenge to us. And it's cool because we're going to leave this place. And I assume most all of us are going to go eat something. And for a big portion of us, whatever we're going to eat is going to have salt in it or we're going to add salt to it. Most times that I sit down to eat, there's salt in it or I'm putting salt on it. Tonight. It's going to get dark. The sun's going to go down. And all of us probably are going to reach for light switches and we're going to flip them on. And light is going to flood our homes. Or, or well, like when we get into the car and it's dark and, and, and we open the car door and the, light, the dome light comes on and it chases away the darkness. Every day, multiple times a day, you give us reminders of how we should be. And Father, the question is not, why is our world rotting? The question is not, why is there so much darkness in the world? Those questions are easy. It's because people sometimes do things that rebel against you and what you have for them. That's why. And so we can spend our time and our lives literally complaining about how things have changed and how they've gotten so much worse and and blah, blah, blah. Hey, Let's, let's stop spending so much time complaining about the fact that there's rot and there's decay and there's darkness. And actually, Father, help us to be the salt and the light that brings forth change and stops the rotting and stops the decay and brings light into dark areas and dark places. The world can't do it because they're dark. They can't do it because they're not salt. You've called us as your followers to do and be these things. This whole idea is things that you want your followers to be and do. And you want us to be salt and be light. And because of that, affect the world and the people that you place in our world. So God, I pray you'd help us. Father, right now, I pray that you would begin to do that. Father, I begin ask that you would just begin to show us people and situations right now that you want us to begin to affect. That, Father, we wouldn't walk out of here and go, okay, I, I'll be salt, I'll be light, and go on our merry way. But that you would literally right now, through your Holy Spirit, begin to give us people and, and situations and circumstances that you're saying, hey, listen, I called you for such a time as this. I brought you here. I've been helping you. I've been training you. You're ready to walk in and be salt and be light. So, Father, don't just allow us to walk out of here with some half-hearted, okay, Aaron, I guess I'll try better. But, Father, change us from the inside out. Help us to understand that every day, every interaction, every situation is an opportunity for us to bring salt and light to people. 
When we go to the restaurant and the waitress comes and she's frazzled and she's busy and you don't know the fact that she, her husband has just left her with two kids and she's been working three jobs just to make ends meet and she's tired and she's wore out and we complain that the service isn't fast enough. Oh God, forgive us. Instead of that situation, that we would look at her and say, hey, you're okay, we're okay. And that we would show kindness and gentleness and self-control. And that she would walk away and maybe every table was mean but ours. And she'd walk away and she'd go, there was just something different about those people. She doesn't even know it was salt and light. She doesn't even know, but God will use that. God will use it. And then so many other ways that we could spend the next two hours talking about. But Father, I pray that you would bring those things. Make it clear. And change us from the inside out. Make us more salty. Make us more light-filled so that we in turn can go and share that with a world that desperately needs it. Desperately needs you. So help us. Change us. You are so good. We love you so much. Let's all stand.